Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. I want to speak to you this morning and I've called this message Awakenings um, because you never really know where a decision or a desire for the Lord might take you. You never know what will grow out of a desire for God. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says that the good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. I was in the Christian bookstore just a a week or so ago, and I've still not read the book, but I picked it up because the title was uh, caught my attention as just simply called Awaken. And because we've been talking about that, I wanted to read the book. And Priscilla Shira wrote the book, and and I I quote uh, some of the things that she had to say in one of the pages I was reading. And she says, Jesus' use of the word heart signifies the inner being of an individual, the place where our thoughts, our attitudes, and our beliefs are cemented. The heart is a reservoir, a holding tank for every thought we've ever placed there, particularly those we've allowed to solidify and make their home there. It's a storehouse containing the essence of who we, of who we are. And because of the heart's direct link to our ongoing habits and actions, it is a picture of who we are becoming. Who are we becoming? Maybe I'm too much of an idealist, but I fully believe, I firmly believe, I'm fully persuaded that the heart of every single believer has a capacity. It has an ability and a potential to build and to go into the future that God has called you into. It's a holding tank, that reservoir, to carry the future of God, to carry what God has said about your future and where you fit into the big picture of God. So in saying these things, it is totally crucial, it's absolutely crucial that what we allow to solidify and cement in our hearts, it will do one of two things. It will either lead you to God or it will lead you away from God. I've used that word storehouse for years because I had a personal revelation and conviction about it some years ago. But the storehouse that I see as God's church is a place of incredible worth, great value. And every single one of us, irrespective of what our title, our role, uh, whatever it looks like, what we do in the church, we all fit into the big picture of God. When the prophet Elisha asked that question to the widow woman, and he said to her, what, what do you have in your house? And she gave that humble answer that all she had was just a little oil. The, the fruit of that moment is extraordinary. The harvest, the results from that moment are extraordinary because what was highlighted with her was that everything that she needed she, was already there. Everything that she needed was within her grasp, but what was needed had to be activated. The future had to be activated. Something had to be activated for the process to begin. So when we speak about the heart being this reservoir, this holding tank, our lives being the storehouse then of what God is saying, then the question is, what are we becoming? Well, my answer to that is the choice is completely up to us. What are we becoming? We choose what we are becoming. 
The Bible speaks about God building a glorious church. And it's hard sometimes to wrap our thinking around that because we don't always see the glorious church. But God speaks about a church that is a church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. That's the way he sees his church. And we say, well, I see the church differently, but he says, I am building my church. And, I'm build- and I see the church that I'm building. But this morning, I want to travel back into some pages of history that are filled with God's stories everywhere, moves of God, awakenings, revivals. But one thing is common in all of that is that they all started with somebody and they all started somewhere. Acts chapter 4 verse 13 in the New Living Translation says that the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures but they also recognised them as men who had been with Jesus. Notice that the main thing about these men was not their lack of training or lack of knowledge of the Scriptures, but the distinguishing feature about these men was that these men had been with Jesus. This is to be the distinguishing feature of the church today, that a church, a company of people have been with Jesus, that we carry the presence of God. For Joshua and Caleb, we, we mention them a lot because I, I like these guys. I, the Bible tells us that they carried a different spirit and that different spirit, spirit stood out from the rest. I don't know what that different spirit was other than these men seemed to carry a strong spirit of faith that caused them to overcome insurmountable odds. They finished, they stayed on course, and they entered into that which God had spoken to them about. And I believe that it takes people like us with a different spirit to say, we can make a difference in our day. We can walk with God in our day. And I think it takes courage to follow Jesus It takes courage to go against the tide. It takes courage at times to go against the world's influence. But this morning, we're going to talk and I'm going to touch on, for your interest, and travel a little bit back in history, the difference that we see between a revival and an awakening. A revival oftentimes is something that affects a church community, believers, people like us. It affects the church community and it's this kind of revived atmosphere that people are coming back to their Christian roots or something that has just got the breath of life upon it. It's like something is coming back to life again. This can involve restoration or an increased desire to respond. They want to be found in church. They want to worship, they've got an increased hunger for the Word of God. There's this revived atmosphere that's there. And when we are revived, there's this, not only that, but there's a renewed sense of appreciation and a thankful attitude about all that God has done in your life. And you you have this revived sense of grace that I would not be here if it were not for the grace and not for the mercy of God. 
that sense of awareness of God that where would my life be today? What would I be doing? Would I be alive? I'm so grateful about the house of God. I'm grateful for the mercy of God. There's this sense of revived atmosphere that is there. Revival often entails God restoring things back to their original condition. Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 through to 4 speaks about this. It's the word that came to the prophet Jeremiah from the Lord himself. And he tells Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house and he says, while you're there, I will give you my message. So Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and he sees the potter working at the wheel, but the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. It's a beautiful expression of mercy and of grace that we are the flawed vessels, that we are the ones that are marred, that we are the imperfect vessels. But through all of our scarring and our marring and our imperfections, God by his mercy and by his grace did not discard of us. Even in our worst days, he did not discard of us. In our most flawed times, in our most dreadful decisions that we've made in our times when we were so far away. It was his grace that drew us back. It was his mercy that found us. And it is his grace and his mercy that reshapes and remolds us until, until we're in that place again where we are fit for the master's use and he brings us back to our original condition. In 1995, not only did Highway begin in 1995, but it was Father's Day in May in America in a place called Pensacola. And a revival broke out. And this revival was marked. And it was marked because people were getting right with God. They started to repent. They started to bow their knee. They started to give their lives over to God. And it was revival that was happening and it spread to many nations. Not that they took the revival of Pensacola to other nations, but other nations heard about what God was doing. And so people from other nations would come and visit what was happening in Pensacola. And it was known for a move of repentance of men and women getting right with God. One very well songwriter, worship leader, co-songwriter. We sing his songs today and have probably sung them today. But he was young and he was taken to this revival atmosphere by a, another family member at the time and something awakened within him when he was in that atmosphere. And he decided in that atmosphere that he would devote his life and the gift that was on his life to the Lord for all the days of his life. And as a result, we sing the songs that he has written or co-written today. He gave his life to God and it was in that revival atmosphere. Byron went along to those meetings and he said everywhere, there were people crying out to God for God's mercy. Repentance was coming upon the people. Fathers everywhere were repenting that their lives were not right with their wives or their children. It was a, it was a real revival atmosphere. They say that 
Revival is known as the three R's. Number one, it's repentance. It's lives turning back and just getting right with God. The second thing is remember. It's a remembering about where you came from and who you really are. And the third thing is about repeating. Go back to what you used to do when you were strong and alive in faith. They're the three R's of revival. So when you talk about revival, this is kind of where this conversation belongs. When you go into awakening, it seems to have a a wider, more expansive influence and impact because it's not contained within the four walls of the church. It can affect a city, a town, an entire population, a region. It moves beyond the church walls and it will include both Christian and non-Christian alike. It affects an entire culture and it changes the culture of the place where an awakening has happened, whether it be in a church or outside a church. And many, many, many lives are affected because that's the way that God is moving. It's an atmosphere. It's a culture. In this atmosphere, you'll still get restoration or a sense of revival, but it's not contained within four walls. In the Hebrides Islands, they experienced, and their their history is known to have a series of revivals or a series of awakenings. The Hebrides is a small group of islands off, off the coast of Scotland. And as they've gone through different time periods and different moves of God have come, and one of the things that is notable about revivals is that they, they often come for a period of time and then it wanes. It comes for a period of time and then it stops. One of those periods in time in this island of the Hebrides, and in, betwick, in particular the, uh, the Lewis Island there, there was an elderly lady, she was 84 years of age, and she had a vision. And in this vision, she saw the church filled, absolutely filled with young people. And it was an interesting vision because at that particular time, not one young person was found in church. Church was for the elderly, but there was not one single young person. And so this 84-year-old lady decided to recruit another elderly lady and they committed to two nights a week from 10 o'clock, I think it was a Tuesday and a Friday night, from two nights a week from 10 o'clock at night through to 4 a.m. the next morning on a Tuesday and a Friday, they began to pray that God would move in an awakening sense upon the lives of the young people on the island. Well, it happened. And a man came by the name of Duncan Campbell, who often gets the credit for this enormous awakening that was happening, but by his own words, he will say, this, this, was, this was here before I arrived. He just happened to be the preacher of the day. The Isle of Lewis in the Hebrides is steeped in revival history, times where there was an awakening, but on one of these occasions, it affected so many on the island that it changed the culture on the island. The whole island was affected by a new kingdom culture. One time it was recorded 
that around 9,000 people started going to church. And keeping in mind, churches were not built for a crowd of 9,000. Our churches, for the most part, are not built for 9,000. There were people inside, there were people outside, and it was recorded young and old alike. Around 9,000 people on a tiny island started going to church. There was an awakening that took place. And it wasn't just for the old people in church. The culture started to affect the entire Isle of Lewis. History records it as intense, an intense awakening of enthusiasm. Imagine that. An intense awakening of renewed commitment and an intense awakening of rapid expansion. Homes were recorded as having family altars, that in the morning the family would go to the altar, bow the knee at the family altar, and at night the family would go to the altar and bow the knee. Children were read the scriptures in the home. It awakened people to the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need a fresh awakening. We need a fresh awakening that church attendance will never be enough, but we need a fresh awakening to the reality of Christ. In 1912, a young baby girl was born to a poverty-stricken family on the Isle of Lewis. Keeping in mind around this time that this baby girl, as she grew, would have been immersed in the culture that was upon the island. Scriptures were read. People went to church. Crime rates were almost non-existent. This baby girl's name, she was uh, born as Mary Ann McLeod. Mary Ann McLeod grew up in the culture of this island. But by the year 1930, Mary Ann McLeod got onto a, a ship And she immigrated to America and it was there that she met a man, a real estate developer by the name of Frank Trump. In 1946, Mary Ann became the mother of Donald Trump. The picture on the screen behind you shows two Bibles. These two Bibles was when President Donald Trump was inaugurated and sworn in as the 45th President of the United States. President Trump placed his hands upon these two Bibles with great significance and moment. The red Bible that you see at the bottom was the the Bible that Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln placed his hand upon when he became the President of America. The top Bible, the blue Bible there, was the Bible that belonged to his mother. And it was from that Bible that his mother would read the scriptures to him as a boy. I don't know what happened to Donald Trump's life from the time of childhood to his present day. I don't know where his life is at today. I don't know what his revelation of Jesus Christ is today. Some say that the man has now turned his life over to Jesus. Someone made a comment and said, how did he ever become the 45th president of the United States? He's so rough around the edges. 
And they were politely reminded and said, and so are you. It's been prophesied over President Trump's life that the reason that God's got him there, and I'll leave this over to you, I'm not debating one way or the other. They say the reason that God has raised this man up is because of his boldness to get done what God wants done. Number one, to guard and to protect the relationship between Israel and America. And secondly, to set things up for another great awakening upon America. Never forget that that great nation of America was born in a great awakening time. And that's why they said that they were one nation under God. I guess time will tell and the fruit will be there to see what God is going to do with all of that. But all I know is this, that our earth is ready for another great awakening of God. Whether it be Australia, whether it be America, whether it be the Hebrides or whether it be some other place that we are a earth underneath the name of God. That this earth did not come across and appear suddenly by some cell that joined with another cell that created a great big explosion somewhere and all of a sudden here we are on planet earth suddenly calling ourselves human beings. We are here because we are a crea creation of almighty God. And because we are a creation of God, there is an earth that needs to be woken up to the reality of Jesus Christ. The picture, the next picture behind is a picture of President Trump on the Isle of Lewis in the house that his mother read the scriptures and was immersed in the scriptures herself and would take that Bible that she was raised on all the way to New York and lived in the home of Donald Trump and he heard from that same book the scriptures that his mother heard. And so here we are today. Here we are today, hovering around, circling around, being woken up to this scripture in Ephesians 5.14 that speaks to us today, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. His glory will come upon you. His presence will come upon you. We've done a full circle almost. And it's time to come back to our roots. And it's time to come back to the Scriptures. And no matter where this Word will take us, this Word awake will take us or awaken will take us, one thing is guaranteed is that God watches over His Word to perform it. He watches over His Word to perform it. And God is watching over His Word right now to perform this word, the writer of the book of Ephesians addressed the first century Christians that if God was able to bring about unity to the believers, that even though they were from different perspectives and cultures, by virtue of the gospel of Jesus Christ and bridge those cultural divides, and bring about unity between Jew and Gentile through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then they would then be known as the body of Christ, then no wonder today the Scriptures inform us that nothing is impossible in Christ. 
that nothing is impossible today. And when I saw that photograph, which is all over the internet today, you can access it easily. When I saw that on the internet, it stirred my heart. It stirred my heart because somewhere, an 84-year-old woman and her friend got on bended knee and began to call out to the very name of Jesus that we will call out to today. An 84-year-old God awoke, woke up. Team, can you come back? Woke up an 84-year-old. I wonder how on earth she got on her knees. Were her knees able to get into that posture? But irrespective, there was a posture of faith and there was something that was woken up within those elderly women that began to cry out, God, awaken the young people, awaken the young people, fill your house again with the young people. And it happened. And then God sent a preacher man called Duncan Campbell to an island. It must have been a well-prepared place where faith had already gone ahead of him. And he began to preach the gospel. And many of us in this room today, if you've got a Bible today, whether it be on your phone, whether it be a hard copy like this, no matter where the Bible is for you today, you've placed your hand upon the written Word of God and you too have prayed for your children. You've prayed for the young ones coming up. You've prayed for the schools and the colleges and the universities right now. And there's things happening across even our own city. And when I see that mighty gathering with people concerned about social things, as a believer in Jesus Christ, my heart gets concerned about where are we in Christ? And I believe it's time for a fresh awakening that we, the church, could be like that 84-year-old lady and so say, God, let there be a fresh awakening upon our families, our schools, our churches, our nation. And I think it's time to pray again. I'm going to ask the team if they get ready, if you'd stand to your feet, because I want to pray together as church family in this place. May we catch a fresh glimpse of what's possible. I pray for your children. Let's lift up our children before the Lord right now. Let's lift up this next generation. Let's lift up the generation that has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before us. And they may not even be with us right now, but God, we lift up before you right now. This generation that's rising. God, we lift up the sons and the daughters. We lift up our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. God, we lift up a generation right now. And we ask, oh God, that which you did in the Hebrides do across our own land. That which you did, oh God, through the prayers and the cry of an 84-year-old woman. That which you did through the mouth of a Duncan Campbell. That which you did through the mouth, oh God, and the prayers of others that got woken up and saying, God, move across our land, I pray. 
today. Move across the Gold Coast. Move across our region, our cities, Lord, I ask. Fill up your churches again. Let there be a mighty awakening in the house of God. Let there be a mighty revival in the churches, Lord, we ask. Let there be a great awakening outside of the church walls. God, move again, we pray. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. That 84-year-old woman could never, ever, ever have known that her prayers would have affected a Mary Ann McLeod, that the prayers of that 84-year-old woman could never have known that it is now still outworking in the 45th President of the United States of America. And you'll never know how far your prayers are moving right now. God, we thank you and we pray. Do it again, Lord, I ask. Outside of the church walls, lift the lid on our understanding with that. We thank you, Lord. Arise, O sleeper. Arise, O sleeper. God, awaken the prayers again. Thank you, Lord.